from the twisted realm of science and the darkest pits of reason comes chilling tales of godlessness. Bear witness to the unfathomable terror that is the good atheist. Welcome to the GoodAtheist.net podcast. My name is Jacob Forte. And I'm Ryan Harkness. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about a number of subjects, including a charity that a fan recently wrote us a letter about and she wants us to talk a little bit about called Samaritan's Purse. I'll briefly mention something about them. Uh, we'll also be talking about some of the recent changes that happened in CFI Canada. If you're not Canadian, you should still be aware of some of those things because, hey, it, I think it represents a, a broader problem that secular organizations are having, so we'll talk about that. And then lastly, we're also going to be mentioning a pamphlet that I found, another quality pamphlet, this one on uh, 10 easy ways to defend the Bible and Christianity. And we're, we're going to find out just how easy it is to defend the faith with these particular questions. Sounds like a really good show. It's a really, really good show. I'm proud to say that it's a good show. Uh, but first, let's let's get to that fan letter first and foremost, because this introduces us to our first topic. Uh, a fan writes, Do you have any thoughts on the Samaritan's Purse shoeboxes that will be collected next week? I think they're a really cool way to give something personal and tangible to a child who would really appreciate it, so I'm really drawn to the idea. I have no problem participating in programs run by religious organizations, but as long as my donation is not used to actively support spreading the religious message, here's the part that makes me uncomfortable. When culturally appropriate, children that receive gift-filled shoeboxes are also offered a colorful booklet uh, that is printed in their own language, titled The Greatest Gift of All, which explains the good news of Jesus Christ. What do you think? Do you, uh, do you look past something like this and participate in it because it's mostly a good idea, or do you give a similar organization's... Uh, or do you give to similar organizations that are non-religious? And if so, which ones? Okay, so first and foremost, Samaritan's Purse. Uh, if you have not heard of this organization, it is essentially an evangelical uh, organization run by Billy Graham's son, Franklin. Franklin okay. Graham. Franklin Graham. And uh, while they do run a number of organizations around the world that are supposedly, I'm, I'm not going to say they're secular, but you know they the, their first mandate because they 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 uh, they obviously want to at first try to distance themselves away from that evangelicism at first. So they say, well, in the shoe boxes that we sent out, there are no religious messages unless those religious messages are appropriate. Now, what appropriate means is essentially we send to countries that still have a significant amount of people that are Christian. Therefore, we think it is fair and appropriate to include a shitload of religious messages with whatever we include. Now, so so they're saying if it's if it's religion if, if it's not going to cause some kind of angry angry religious uprising or something like that, if it's if it's socially acceptable for them to give away Christ tracts and stuff like that, they'll do it. Exactly. And and there's a number of uh, of, of organizations back in 2003 this is when they were first started getting a little bit of uh, spotlight shone on them because the National Secular Association or Society I think in the UK complained that an organization in Wales that they ran was including these kinds of tracks even though they said that they weren't supposed to uh, that was back then and since then other controversies have, have, have sort of popped up including them forcing people to attend uh, you know services before they receive charity boxes. I mean, it's essentially just an avenue to evangelize, and they use Christmas as a way to do it. It's a kind of a marketing and campaign. They, it sounds like they kind of uh, 
make these people on the other sides or receiving the shoeboxes jump through more hoops than a timeshare seminar. <laughs> well, let's just say that uh, uh, it, it is fairly sketchy. Now, the the person who wrote the letter was asking me, do you do donate to any secular organizations that kind of do something similar? The answer is no, but that's because I'm poor. Now, if I did have some money... Uh, there are a number of organizations that I have been looking at, but you're right when you say that there is a significant portion of them that have some kind of religious bent. Let's face it, guys, as non-believers, we're not exactly into this whole creating organizations to help the poor and spread whatever our message is, because that's not really our deal. It's not our bag. We don't want to go to these places uh, to spread a rational message, and uh, we just figure... Let uh, bygones be bygones, I suppose? Well, look, there's a lot of secular money going out from a lot of secular people into all sorts of organizations. We just don't make the linchpin for it, the religious aspect of the organization. Well, it shouldn't be uh, involved at all, in my opinion, because you get this kind of problem where people don't know where to put that, you know, where, where that line between, oh, you're proselytizing at the cost of charity. You know, we're, and we're always making that compromise. I hate fucking making that compromise where you're like, well, the Christian organization still does a good job, but yeah, they are spreading nonsense. Well, look, it's easy for us to sit in our comfy chairs in this... Very comfy chair. In this, you know, decently air-conditioned house. <laughs> Enjo- it's air-conditioned by nature. It's freezing in here. <laughs> enjoying, enjoying the internet and, you know, groceries and electricity and everything else and say, well, I really think this third world aid organization is too Jesus-y and therefore I don't think I'm going to support it. But, uh, I, you know, it's kind of, to me, it's, it's like vegans. That's how you pronounce it, right? Yeah, that's, that's sure. how they appreciate being okay. It, As opposed like, to... I, I Vagans, vegans, vegans <laughs> from the planet Vega Five. <laughs> but I mean, the whole the whole thing with them is you can either you can either be somebody who strives to, who has this fervor where they don't want to have meat and they want to eat as naturally as possible. But occasionally they're going to have some meat product in the in either either some processed stuff that they have, or it's just the fact that nowadays you can't really do anything without having some kind of animal byproduct shoved in there. One way or another, and either, just look at Jello. You for God's be, sake, you could be all bent out of shape and freak out about it, or you can just go look. This is the world that we live in. There's going to be a lot of animal byproduct mixed into every slurry. <laughs> you could practically taste the severing. And, and to me, that's kind of where I am as an atheist. I accept the fact that there's a lot of organizations out there doing stuff like this. I would never not support one just because of the fact that it is at its core a religious organization. Even going leaving the grocery store last week, there was some church. Uh, that was that was looking for donations, and I gave him a couple bucks because this isn't the enemy church that we all think about as atheists. That that evil uh, mon- monolithic idea of religion that we have, where it's evil and it causes all these problems. This is just that church down the street that's uh, going broke because all of its parishioners are dying, <laughs> and I don't mind throwing a couple bucks its way so that. So what you can hear its dying crows. <laughs> Just because I'm not, I'm I'm not hardcore enough in my atheism to the point where I would say that I'm fighting religion like that. That's all. May seem petty, I suppose, to some. Um, <laughs> I'm in the petty category, but there's also been lots of other things about specifically this organization. Like, for instance, Franklin getting two paychecks for running the, this organization, and also. Uh, another of Billy Graham's ministries, and you're like, how can this guy do two jobs? Yeah, I don't think so. 
And the charity does make uh, does have quite a, a bit of money. I think it's something like either a hundred or three hundred million dollars every year. So you're just like, where is all this money going? You'd hope it's to the you know where it's supposed to go. But it's one of the biggest scams, man. These these kinds of uh, these kinds of charities, and it has it, it's not even tied into the religious aspect of it. It's just a serious problem where, especially these awareness raising organizations, because when when they talk about we're raising money to raise awareness for cancer, that just means that they're going to take that money pay themselves with it and then spend the rest of it raising awareness through other oh man shit through, so many charities are fucking scams actually you should check out uh there's a wikipedia article that i read the other day that was uh, the richest charities and some of these charities sound so sketchy dude so fucking sketchy always the my the my big like buzzword that i always watch out for is when it when an organization is quote-unquote raising awareness for something hmm and, and plus, imagine this, too. Like, let's say Warren Buffett dies tomorrow. Now, he's pledged almost all his money to charity, which means that if, if he decide if, if one charity is set up and they have $60 billion, who wouldn't be clamoring to fucking manage that trust fund? Because you know that all a lot of that money is just going to basically go to administration. That could be you. That could be you! Well, you know, this kind of rolls into uh, your second topic here, but, I mean, this is why there's so many rich people that that go out that are well connected that start these kind of charitable things not only is it great for their t- for their taxes and their bottom line and stuff but uh, you can make a lot of money through these things and you can you can make a lot of world contacts yeah, that is true i mean you run a charity or an organization like that it's definitely going to it definitely looks good i mean you you seem like a better person like if you walk in you're like yeah i'm the director of a charity bitches i yep. mean Come on. You know you're going to get the best table. You know you're going to get some respect here. It raises awareness for my awesomeness. <laughs> exactly. Okay, speaking of organization, the second topic I want to talk about is um, in, involves CFI Canada. And now, those of you who are not Canadian, which I would probably say is the majority of actually listeners, may think to themselves, uh-oh, am I going to tune out now? Is this where I sort of like press the... The, the stop button. Well, at least give Jake a few minutes to yeah. bore you before deciding that it's going to be boring. See, that's fair. See, absolutely fair. Um, so, f- yeah, for for those of you that are not Canadian, uh, a little bit of a... Uh, I'll, I'll give you kind of the details. Essentially, the national director uh, was someone by the name of Justin Tutsi. Yeah, but what's CFI even? Oh, Center for Inquiry Canada. That's there's a Center for Inquiry is a fairly large organization in the U.S. Uh, you're probably almost all aware of it. And they, they'd essentially tried to become international and started opening up other branches. In Canada, they opened the branch first through the Toronto Secular Association, which is who Justin Trotsier was managing and, and, and the president of for a long time. That entity, if you want, essentially became CFI in, in Canada. And it started, uh, you know, finding other people to become branches of different cities in Canada and trying to slowly grow membership. We did dip our toe into some CFI stuff in Montreal a little while ago. Yeah, that's right. You did a de-baptism? A de- yeah, a de-baptism. There it was fun. I, I liked what they had going on and everything else like that. I just, I don't know. I spent 10 years of my life trying to grow a scene and it was it was agony. Giving birth to a new movement is just... Uh, it's just a lot of hard, thankless work. So. It's a lot of labor, you know, <laughs> be it sort of both physical and metaphorical. And, and it just, you know, in, in, in its official capacity, is just not the way that I was kind of looking at making an impact in the atheism scene. That's fine. Anyways, the, the, the point is, what had happened about three months ago is that I had actually been talking with Justin in, in terms of helping the group 
grow their membership because I, th- I think that the lessons that I've learned in the few years that I've been doing this could actually be used uh, in an organization. I thought, well, you know, maybe I can come in and take a look and, and, and help these guys out because they they were they've been growing and it's I'm guess I'm at that point where I'm like all right it's time to probably get involved and you know I always try to go for the underdogs and there isn't a, a bigger underdog <laughs> if such a term exists than uh, CFI in Canada because it is still relatively small. What I was shocked to find out though was that during uh, the the past three months Justin had left to essentially run for the Green Party in Canada. Now, it's it's a losing race if ever you're in the Green Party anywhere. You, it's like you're lucky if you're going to get, uh, you know, more than 9 or 10% of the votes. It's practically just an exercise in futility. But I, I suppose that every once in a while a person just wants to say, fuck it, you know, it, it could happen to you. It's like winning the lottery, I guess. And plus, you know, it looks decent on a resume. There's your resume idea again. <laughs> Are you looking for a job? Anyways, uh so what happens was he was on leave for this and during that time the board had decided that they were going to look for uh, a manager for the organization because although Justin is a great activist he's not exactly a great manager and I think he'd probably be even one of the first people to admit that which is why them looking for a manager uh, made so much sense but while he was away uh, they used that opportunity to actually get the person who was supposed to manage and then replace or remove Justin altogether. They're just like, see you later, we're going a different direction, and goodbye. Now, there's a couple of problems with that. And the first is that it's not clear uh, that what they did was legal. Uh, from the fact that he didn't receive any notices, he was on leave when this occurred, that uh, you know, if he really wanted to make a case... I'm sure that he could probably uh, bring them to court for not terminating him properly. That the, the process just wasn't there. He wasn't even able to uh, face anybody's accusations or any of that. So what, he didn't even know about the vote till after it happened, basically? Exactly. And there were a number of people on the board that were also not present when the vote happened. Uh, just uh, people that uh, many of the new board members knew would actually be sympathetic uh, to Justin or may or, or who would have tried to, uh, to to fight the motion so they weren't present and then finally there was one uh, uh, abstention but I think this was more of a political move on the part of the person who abstained mostly to say I don't agree with this but also being like I don't want to fuck myself over and, and still want to work with with individuals right but what happened a couple days after he was removed is we you know all members received a, a letter from the board chair Carol Parlow who's basically saying, yeah, we'd like to thank Justin for this. He's, you know, um, the, this was all done to make sure that we complied with all the rules and so on and so forth. Essentially just whitewashing the whole incident. And th- I think that's the part that really set me off when I had been talking to some of the members, trying to get the, the, the story from uh, them and also Justin, trying to find, it, find out what happened. And although I may not be 100% clear on all of the details, and maybe some of the details are wrong, what I can tell you is this. Number one, this board that currently exists is deeply fractured and fragmented. There uh, also, as far as I'm concerned, not a lot of openness about the entire process. Members were very uh, upset there are lots of people who are affiliated that are either leaving altogether or are even threatening to leave because they just don't know what happened and no one's being honest about it. 
That, and what this is what upsets me the most here is, is that a, a kind of like well, I think we understand that secular organizations, particularly say in Canada, say a smaller market for antitheism, it's relatively small, uh, have a habit of imploding. Right? We we saw this. I don't know if you remember when we were at the uh, when we did the live podcast and we were talking to some of the local guys. The humanist groups were fighting with uh, another humanist. Another group. humanist. Group. It was, it, I think it was the secularist association against the uh, the humanists. And they're like, oh, those humorists. Are all those hum <laughs> those humanists are all humorless <laughs> jackasses or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and and really revealing the fact that although we're not. We don't have dogma in our organization. It doesn't mean that we have consensus. It doesn't mean we agree that everybody agrees on what we should do. Part, I think part of the problem that we have when we create organizations is that we want to have this all-inclusive, everybody come on in and kumbaya motherfucking uh, song. And that's just not the truth. People are going to have very different ideas of how things are supposed to operate. I think the move at CFI proves exactly that. Whether it's for good or bad, I don't know. All I know is that from what I heard... They had spent a, a, an insane amount of money trying to just redo their mission statement and their whole corporate image. And they've been trying to, to conduct themselves more like a business rather than an activist organization. And I think that's the mistake. I think that CFI should maintain its kind of activist roots because I think that's how it got attention. That's how it grew. And what CFI is currently doing uh, in terms of their strategy, I think is going to alienate more people. Uh, that's at least the general response that I've seen to have gotten from uh, from individuals that I've talked to. I don't know from uh, from an outsider's perspective. Uh, I think most atheists probably don't really care who's running it, so long as somebody's running it and is doing a quote unquote decent job. I well, it, it's important to recall that uh, you know if if any like at the end of the day, I think that the process should have just been more open. The fact that members were not told what's going on. I mean, these are the people, people that are essentially paying the fucking bills. And I think that right now, everything needs to be opened up. All the letters that board sent to each other concerning this fucking incident, I want complete and utter fucking openness about this process. This is the only way that we can feel like we know what went on. But I can tell you this, first and foremost, something fucking fishy happened. And the whatever is happening right now, at least within the board, the board is fractured It. If if anything, I don't think it can perform its job as well as it could before. I think it's time for members to sort of like take a hard look at what's going on right now. Understand that the one of the big problems with this board is that there's no vetting process. Okay, and 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 what I mean by that is that anyone could join the board without actually having to have any involvement in the atheism scene whatsoever. Now, I don't want to put alarm bells in people's minds, but let's pretend just, say, a bunch of Christians wanted to come in and just disrupt our shit. It would be pretty fucking easy to just pretend that you're a non-believer, throw some fucking money around, pretend you want to shake things up, and then all of a sudden gut the organization and then just walk away and watch it crumble. Like, if you don't have a system in which you can determine who's the right fit for that board, then I think that the at, at the very least the structure of it is broken, it's busted, and and your organization is going to suffer as a result. So I guess we'll see what happens. Indeed. Okay, let's move on because that was a bit of a bummer. <laughs> but a fair warning to all of you that start secular organizations: beware of fracturization. I don't know. It it's, happens. It's not as big of a bummer as say like uh, some some little girl getting cut up for saying something bad about Allah or something like that. No, but I don't uh, want as far I don't as want bummers go. It was a pretty low on the bummer scale. I, I don't like I don't foresee a lot of say positive uh, avenues in, in in terms of the 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 short term for CFI. 
and it's probably one of the larger organizations in Canada. And I don't that's the, I don't like to see that. I don't like to see kind of a group behave inappropriately, particularly when I mean they represent so many of our interests. Is this the death of CFI Canada? <laughs> well, CFI in the U.S. is definitely feeling the fucking crunch, man. They're like money wise, it's been going down because of the economic problems, and that's going to be reflected up north here. So we're going to either have to support this group ourselves without getting fucking monies from Big Daddy USA who's just run out of money, and it's not even worth as much as it used to be anymore. So, uh, you know, we, we, we've got to clean up our act. We've got to fucking be able to, to, to take off in our own uh, power. I'm not even sure we can do that yet. Well, you know, there was one thing that you mentioned uh, a couple of times to me while you were going through this whole thing was something about the new CFI, quote-unquote, spending $20,000 on trying to retool a... Uh, mission statement. That was their mission statement kind of re... Uh, like they they believe that this by by changing up the mission statement because they felt not together all like that it was wrong but they felt that an unclear message would affect how many people would donate and in particular they've been trying to go after wealthier donors and they feel that if they have a better mission statement they could appeal to those people well how about this they can include in the mission statement we promise not to waste lots of money on stupid stuff like mission statements yeah that sounds pretty good because I don't I don't know, like, for $20,000, they better send some Sherpa up the fucking mountain to ask a monk sitting there with a direct line to some kind of deity, I know, the irony, <laughs> who can tell us the, the perfect, the perfect message to rope everybody in. That better be the best. They better have a slogan that's better than where's the beef. It better be better than just do it. It better be the best mission statement in the history of the universe. Well, I haven't seen the new mission statement yet because I don't think that they've actually updated their site since the site still says that Justin is the national director, which is not true. Well, how about that? How about putting a couple hundred dollars towards having a webmaster or something? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The internet's not that big of a deal. Uh... <laughs> this is my whole point. It's like these dinosaur organizations. I just, I mean, God bless them and everything. Uh, they're doing a whole bunch of work that lazy people like us refuse to do <laughs> totally refuse too much work but uh yeah i don't know about that twenty thousand dollars for a mission See, statement yeah it sounds sounds kind of fucked up sounds kind of fucked up let's just say this i'd like twenty thousand dollars <laughs> and i'll do a better mission statement than you've ever fucking heard in your life i will rem i'll make a movie for that amount. Well, this is this is my suggestion to you. If you don't like how they can uh, how pe how they can just go in and completely take over, why don't you go in and completely, completely take, take over? over? <laughs> well, obviously, after my article and after saying this, I'm, I wouldn't have made any friends either. But I wouldn't I wouldn't be interested with uh, you know to to work with individuals if they're not willing to kind of themselves be open and to and let their process be known to the public rather than just kind of whitewashing. Let's just say that. I don't trust anybody on this board right now because it's some fucking fishy ass shit. All right, so I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I'd rather start my own thing and fail. <laughs> All right, let's move on. I want to talk about this. Uh, it's really hilarious document. This is a funnier part of the show, uh, which is called "Defending the Bible and Christianity in Ten Easy Steps." So this is a pamphlet saying, like, are you? kind of tired of always being asked these questions you just can't seem to answer when you're trying to defend the Bible because honestly this is probably one of those uh, growing concerns especially seeing how we're becoming a lot braver in saying calling people on their shit so the reaction to that is the kind of pamphlet that I'm about to read to you and remember what I was saying it's always important to understand the argument of the other side 
to know precisely what they're going to pull out because trust me when you find out what it is you're just gonna laugh your ass out yeah this seems like one of those documents if you've ever seen uh if you've ever read if you ever read one of those books where they go inside the evangelical preaching lifestyle where where people where you know the these these church kids go down to to uh, fort lauderdale on spring break or they go here they go there to proselytize or the people knocking on doors and they have to deal with a lot of rejection and there's a whole there's a whole uh, subculture, of, subculture of teaching these kids how to deal with and how to turn these around, and this looks like one of those cheat sheets ready for them uh, for when somebody puts up a "what about this contradiction in the Bible" idea or something like that. Yeah, exactly. So what what I've done is I've provided the ten questions and basically my translation for these questions, if you want. Okay, so the first challenge is: is the verse that you're trying to defend being taken out of context? That's the case. Say this. You're taking this verse, whatever verse you're defending, out of context. If you read the entire Bible, you'll find exactly the opposite. So if a person comes over and says, uh, this, this part of the Bible says that you should do this, so it seems wrong. And you're like, well, if we read the whole Bible, you will see that it says exactly the opposite of what that verse says. If you just melt all of God's random opposing view, views into one big just load of gadgets and blast it in your face, you'll find it totally refreshing and knowledgeable, and it makes perfect sense then. Right. Although what I do find funny in my rebuttal would be, so you do recognize the Bible as inconsistent... And then that's that's sort of like, use this tool. I see. Well, that's the great thing about this brochure, is it's full of little things like that. Because when you read it, it's kind of like pulling back the curtain. and <laughs> <laughs> Seeing the wizard, seeing the wizard at work. Uh, number two, is the verse being misunderstood? If that's the case, then you must say, if you, uh, if you study the Bible as much as, insert authority figure here, you'd see it has something, it, it says something else entirely. So you're reading it wrong. Not only are you reading it wrong, but if you find someone that reads it exactly the way that you wanted, then you better fucking latch out of that motherfucking pair of balls. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, like, so just really out there, find your find your theologian that says exactly the kind of nonsense that you need to hear. Uh, number three, uh, can you claim a verse was only valid under Old Testament law? You know, this is a pretty common one, right? A person saying, well, what about this Old Testament thing that says you should stone your daughter and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> what about everything in uh, Deuteronomy and uh, Leviticus? <laughs> Leviticus. And, right. So they, uh, so here's the, what you're supposed to say. This verse fell under Old Testament law, but Jesus came. That's their answer. So that you could essentially, the translation is say, well, when whenever you pick and choose from the Old Testament and somebody points out the fact that uh, there's lots of the Old Testament that doesn't make any sense here. You just have to respond, Jesus came, made it all better, and Jesus believes exactly the same thing I do. Exactly. And so Jesus came and, and told me everything I needed to hear. <laughs> uh, and this applies to number four, is did the verse apply only to New Testament readers? So if, is there a part of the Old Testament that you really want to bring out? You know what I mean? Like, just, fuck, I already used this argument. What am I supposed to say? Well... There is a way out of it. You could say this verse only applied to people at that time and things were different back then. So even if the New Testament one doesn't fly, you could be like, still old world, right? We don't need to worry about old world. We're in new world. And in new world, I get to pick and choose whatever the fuck I want. Yeah, it's too bad that that isn't, you know, used across the board because a lot of that Old Testament stuff that's still, you know, the basis for a lot of hatred against the gays, 
resistance against abortion, resistance against contraception, which really a stupid bugs me. story. The 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 bullshit story of Onan, which doesn't say don't use contraception. It's just that if you're gonna fuck the wife of your dead brother, you gotta come inside of her. Okay, you have to. I mean, there's a there's actually a specific law in the Old Testament that says that you have to provide a baby for her if your brother died before they could have a kid. We call it the Yahweh loves cream pies law. <laughs> Indeed we do. Okay, number five. Here's a challenge. Uh, can you say it's just the author's opinion? So if a person says, eh, it's the author's opinion, what you could say is, in this particular verse, yes, it is the author speaking and not God. So the translation is, whenever a verse does not suit your needs, it's a clerical error. Clerical error. <laughs> in the most literal sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, pretty much. Number six. Uh, is there a verse that says exactly the opposite of one of the verses that you were trying to use? You could say the opposing verses to your verse outnumber uh, it, so that's the one we believe in. So does all that stuff about Jesus saying love everybody and everything is love and love, 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 does that outweigh all of the hatred and bullshit and bigotry in the Bible? Well, it probably outweighs some of the hatred and bigotry that he says himself. You know, like some of the weird verses when he's like, Bring this person unto me and I shall slay them. And you're like, uh, what? Leave everybody. <laughs> Leave everyone. Be doomed to hell. <laughs> right. And you're kind of like, hey, that's pretty messed up. Uh, saying that I should ha hate my brother or my mother if they push me against you. That doesn't seem right. That sounds like a cult, Jesus. What's up with that? Hey, everybody can have a bad day. I'm sure the beds back then sucked. And who knows what kind of dietary intake he was getting. You have a day when you don't have enough fiber? And Jesus Christ, you just get angry. Yeah. Well, especially if you're eating unleavened bread. Uh, really? cook, cook, cooked from the flame of your own excrement. Yeah. Mm-mm. Ah. If anybody ate good bread eating. cooked from the flame of my dung, they would die instantly. <laughs> right. We live We live in the midst of your dung, and already I think the cat is, is sort of like on its way out. I think it has cat aids because of the horribleness of your uh Yeah, it's really dung. good. You're talking about the mist of dung. We're closed up in our the basement of my house, and it's winter now, so there's very poor ventilation. Very, it's very just, bad. Me and Jake both take nasty dumps in the bathroom down here all the time, and it's just always the, the, and we dutch oven it we're, we're <laughs> to keep ourselves warm it's awful just disgusting it's awful stewing in our own juices <laughs> okay number seven can the verse be taken metaphorically so this is often a problem that i'm sure religious people find themselves in where literal verses are getting them into trouble so obviously you can say this verse isn't literally about blank it's more about blank so insert whatever the fuck you need. So say it's not literally about inconvenient part of the Bible. It's really more about point that you were trying to get across. I suppose. Hmm. <laughs> Number eight, could the answer be a result of a miracle? So here's what they say if if you're if you're running into trouble. If God created the universe and our complex bodies, he could have easily done blank. Right. So if you can't if you can't answer a question, you can always throw that whole, well, I don't understand something, and I should compound that ignorance by making more statements I don't know nothing about. No, it's pretty simple. If God can do anything, isn't it possible that he did this too? Even this thing that makes it seem like he totally doesn't exist. <laughs> he could have just done that. Yep. He could have really done that. It's a test. Yeah, like uh, like evolution's a test. Number nine, is information missing from the Bible? Say, God tells us what we need to know, 
and knowing about blank doesn't affect salvation. So, translation, if your ideas are stupid, ensure that everyone else is too. Yeah, pretty much. Number 10, if all else claim... If all else fails, claim spiritual interpretation. Say, this verse has a spiritual meaning. Most likely, it's about God's plan for our salvation. So, if, if you really don't understand a verse, or it seems like, say, someone from the Bible is actually a complete scammer, or is doing something really wrong, you're like, well, it affects salvation, so it's got to be okay. Despite the fact that it makes me feel really uncomfortable. It's like everything screams that it's wrong. I guess it affects salvation. <laughs> In the end, we don't make up the rules. You go to hell, or you don't. It's on you. All right, and 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 finally, the ten. Um, there there are ten things that you could just say. This is their suggestions to sort of like weasel out of any conversation. Number one, you can't prove it's not true. We've often heard that one. Number two, God must allow blank in order to persevere free will. Number three, God must allow blank because of the fall of man. <laughs> oh, that fall of man thing pisses me off. Number four, blank is only a theory, or scientists often make mistakes. I think we can uh, <laughs> guess what number four is. Number five, the Lord works in mysterious ways, or it was a miracle. Number six, my personal experience proves it's true. Insert testimony here. Uh, number seven, try attacking the objector's theories, or the people behind them. This, this literally says this. Uh, number eight, explain God's endless love and why it is more reasonable to believe in Jesus than risk an eternity in hell, i.e. Pascal's wager. Number nine, refer to AnswersInGenesis.org or other Christian sites. Don't answer, don't, don't send anyone to Answers in Genesis, obviously. Uh, number ten, <laughs> conclude by saying that you will pray for them as they are clearly blinded and deceived by Satan. <laughs> is that how it really is? Yes, that is how it ends. Wow. <clears throat> You always wonder the people who write this, if they don't see inherently the kind of bullshit they themselves are spreading. They're like, well, if all else fails, because our arguments often do, use these ten statements that uh, mean absolutely nothing. Mm. I mean, number four is great. How often do we hear number four? Uh, evolution is just a theory. So is gravity, bitch. Which one was the one where they're actually like, uh, argue the argue the person's theories or number the people seven. behind them? I'm like, wow, that's, that's really close to actually having a legit debate. With somebody argue the ideas. Oh, what a crazy concept! Yeah, but the, the people attacking the people behind them is actually that's 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 the straw man argument. Sure, you know? saying like, oh, these people are obviously wrong. They're dumb because they don't agree with me. Charles Darwin <laughs> was a loser. Evolution is just a theory, Ryan. And scientists often make mistakes. I'm like, well, <laughs> let me tell you something. It's true that scientists often do. That's actually part of the process. That's written in the process, you stupid jackass. What's written in your process? Making conclusions. I see. And then trying to find if there's any evidence to support these conclusions. I see. And then ignoring all evidence against these conclusions. I see. All right. Well, we know where it's at. <laughs> at least we know where we stand with you guys. <laughs> Thanks for being clear. Well, uh... I think that pretty much wraps up the, 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 the questions on how to easily defend Christianity. I think we understand now a lot more clearly uh, the kind of documents and, and kind of defenses they have. You kind of feel sad for them, don't you, a little bit? Well, you know what? They're not bad weasel words. Uh, they're designed to create that, that silly merry-go-round that goes nowhere. Because that wasn't one of the things that, uh, that was said on that document, just to straight up, you can't prove it's not true. Yeah, it's number one, you can't prove it's not true. Yeah, exactly, so... 
<laughs> I suppose that is a, a conversation ender, but you know, oftentimes God did it is just the same kind of conversation and ender. Usually followed up by you can't prove it's not true. <laughs> followed up by la 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 la, not listening, not listening. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much the uh, fingers and ears or head up your own ass, whatever you can do to actually muffle the sound of anyone that disagrees with what you previously or believed. If the person's just not going to turn, tell them you're going to pray for them while they're burning in hell under the influence of Satan. I like how they threw in that Satan thing. It's not just like <laughs> you're just not following God. You are you are under the influence yeah. of the devil. You're the great deceiver has gotten to you. Really? Mm -hmm. Well, let me tell you something. He sir crafts a great argument, one that you can't even defend. Your best defense is you can't prove it's not true. I think Satan won. Okay? I think he just won, guys. Lay down your arms because if that's your best argument, you got nothing. Nothing. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, you know what? I think that uh, pretty much wraps up the show. We'd like to thank everybody as a contributing member. Uh, we're going to get back to doing the bonus shows real soon. Ryan's set up the next bonus show. It's quite exciting. It's going to be all about the Middle East and what a giant clusterfuck it is. Oh, uh, that's not depressing. And uh, next free show, hopefully, uh, I'm going to be able to have Graydon Square on... I think we finally managed to... to, to, to so unless long, something crazy happens again. So long as he doesn't beat down another prominent member of the atheist community and then go into <laughs> hiding, I think it'll be okay. Right, exactly. And if you... You know what? If you have some questions or things like that, why don't you leave it in our comment or send me an email, jake at thegoodatheist.net. Uh, if you've got anything you want me to ask him, why not? Why not include some of your uh, questions, seeing how maybe some of you have actually some things to say and... and, you're, and, and Probably a bunch of you are actually fans of his music because uh, I definitely know that I am. I actually bought his uh, his CD. I did. I did that. Do you know how many CDs I buy? Like none. Well, who buys CDs anymore? It's all MP3s. Well, that's what I mean. Okay. But I bought the digital version because it's cheaper than buying the individual ones, which are still like a dollar per song. Like, hey, look, that's crazy. A decent amount of people are buying music now and it's only going up. So that's pretty cool. Nothing wrong with the dollar. Nothing wrong with a dollar. Okay, with that, my name is Jacob Forte. And I'm Ryan Harkness. Have a good atheist day, everybody.